0: What's going on, guys? Adam Hammer here with an add-on episode of the Duke Basketball Corner podcast. I'm calling it Episode 17.5 of the 2018-19 season. I, as I explain uh, real quick early, the last episode I did was after the UNC game of the ACC tournament, the semifinal, where I just wanted to kind of ride off that emotion without worrying about what happened with Florida State in the final. But Duke did win, and it didn't quite fit with the uh, the discussion. Didn't quite fit with the bracket podcast I did with uh, Jordan Livingston, who was kind enough to join me. So I took uh, the segment out of that and put it in here. So it just adds a little on, um, only about fifteen minutes. But I think it is important to not let the uh, an ACC tournament win championship just kind of slide on by or include it with a bracket real quick i wanted it on its own terms so i thought uh this would just be nice to add on as episode 17.5 of the uh 2018-19 duke basketball corner podcast check out the bracket preview and everything else i will be doing this postseason for duke as hopefully they keep on advancing keep on listening and uh I will keep delivering.
1: The last time you guys heard from me was when Duke had just beaten North Carolina. I didn't want to assume anything. It was a great, exciting game, one of the best games of the year, at least from my perspective. And I just wanted to get my thoughts out on the Syracuse quarterfinal, the North Carolina semifinal, so then no matter what would happen against Florida State, at least there were those thoughts involved um, to kind of Just put it out there so it's not all three games at once because I know how everyone lives with the most important thing is the most recent thing. And that North Carolina game was so good, I did want to get those thoughts out. But I don't want to skip over that Florida State game because how could you skip over the ACC title winning game? And I thought it was just fascinating how Duke pretty much played. The same game three straight days, obviously not exactly. But there were so many similarities about starting out with really poor transition defense, uh, some uh, really lackadaisical turnovers, and some stuff. I mean, they were so talented that they were obviously able to stay in it. But the other team was really playing really well. And by the other team, I just mean all three opponents. But by the end, they were able to really... Um, kind of impose their will. Obviously, North Carolina is so good they couldn't quite put them away. But what were your thoughts? You can say about Florida State about the about just all three games in general because I was so impressed with just the way we take it for granted how four freshmen are just carrying the entire load and we just expect it like stuff that they've never been through where it's like, oh, they can handle it. They're good. They're draft prospects. They were highly ranked. That has nothing to do with it. They're human beings. So I couldn't have been more impressed with how they handled the pressure packed environment of their first ACC tournament in Charlotte.
2: Yeah, I was definitely impressed too. I was expecting them to come out kind of flat after that Carolina game, winning by one with the emotions. That's their first win against Carolina all season. Uh, Zion's back. Uh, I didn't expect them to play necessarily that well. We know Florida state has athletes. They've got size. So it's kind of a tough uh, team to play, especially when they shuttle in nine, 10 guys in the rotation. I think they played 11 um, in the game and uh, Duke sticks to seven, especially with Bolden out. I thought that was going to be really huge for them, especially given Florida State's size. So I was uh, really impressed with what they were able to do um, in the defensive end in the second half.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, there's still kind of that thought that Duke has to get the turnovers in order to run. They didn't really get the turnovers. The turnovers came in the first half when I believe Florida State turned over about eight times. There's only like two or three in the second, but they were still able to run because that's what Zion allows them to do. But it's not just Zion allows them to do that. They have to also do it as well. They also have to kind of take that and run with it. And they couldn't do that when he wasn't there. And by doing it, and by what I'm kind of hinting at, is leaking out. By not having to get the turnovers, whether it's a make, whether it's a miss, whether it's an inbound, you could see Trey looking back like, how he did in those uh, of conference, of non-conference games and the first couple of ACC games where Duke was just running off everything. His anticipation was just in peak form. He was running off everything. Uh, whoever it was, Reddish or um, R.J. Barrett, they, they, were, they could all leak out because Zion is that band-aid to stay back and just make sure that everything is going to be okay and to kind of hide any possible deficiencies.
2: I agree. I mean, (laughs) enough can't be stated about Zion. Um, I think as Duke fans, he continues to impress us. It's rare that you get the same guy that makes the effort plays on your team and is also the best player on the team, right? Duke has always had those types of guys to get dirty and get on the floor, but those are usually the guys that the reason why they're in the game is because they play that way. And with Zion able to do that, I think it just – motivates the entire team to rally behind them and, uh, you know, make a run like they did in the second half.
1: Yeah. I mean, I thought it was just a really great effort. Um, K, he did kind of reel that bench in. Jack White had some early foul trouble, couldn't really get much playing time. Jordan Goldwire gave some minutes. He wasn't quite as impactful as versus Syracuse and North Carolina, but that definitely doesn't diminish what he can do just in the few minutes on the floor create that havoc with trey and uh Vrank, he didn't he didn't get any minutes. I think we were all surprised, including himself, that he did get those key minutes in the prior games <laughs> but and it wasn't just that he got the minutes he he really kept earning that playing time. He wasn't just on and off because of what we might be worried about how the other team would attack. He stayed on because he earned those minutes, especially in that second half. And uh, I I think uh, Florida State, it really should. Javin, him and Bolden, they both, they they do get, uh, they do wear down a bit when they play extended minutes and Javin has his uh, foul rate issues. But I think Mm -hmm. they're such a good pairing. And if uh, you didn't hear Marquise Bolden, there are more than just whispers now. He's starting to kind of get back in practice, and they are hoping to have him back for the tournament, which I would think means they should. I hope, personally, that he can at least get some playing time in the first weekend so that uh, I mean, you never know how long it takes. Not everyone is a freak of nature like Zion, who can just come back immediately after being out six games and act like he's never... Been out. I mean, to play the minutes, the heavy minutes he did after being out six games. I think that's just Coach K. After the game, he's like, "That shouldn't that shouldn't happen."
2: No, it shouldn't, and I agree with you. I, I'm really optimistic about Bolden after today's reports. Uh, I think it was Wiseman that was the first to report that Bolden was um, practicing uh, with the team, and I think that means limited minutes this weekend when. I don't want to take these you know gangs for granted, but um it certainly looks like they should be able to get to the second weekend um, you know ease them in and then have them ready for next weekend. you know that would be ideal for me
1: absolutely and uh yeah, kinda North Carolina and Florida State, I would say they both they both started out the first half as more we back and forth the second half kind of went kind of became a grind, and that's when it I kind of go back to way back my season preview of saying. I think Duke's defense is what gives them a higher ceiling for the tournament because they don't have to score like these young teams in the past few years, especially during the one-and-done era. If there's not that much pressure, it's because you know they are going to be able or at least have more of a potential to lock another team down and then become that second-half powerhouse. And, I mean, even saying that, North Carolina was still – You could argue they were set to win, but Zion just wouldn't let them lose. It's not just Zion, it's everyone, but he is absolutely the difference maker. So is there any uh, last thoughts you want to add about the ACC tournament before we move on?
2: Yeah, I do. Um, I think Jordan Goldwire is really who has kind of made me, uh, I guess, think about their ceiling in that way. Um, I... They've they've been very good on defense all year, but when he came down when he came in and uh, shut down Cam Johnson um, in that UNC game, it was it was really a difference maker. And I have my doubts about how he fits in with the team um, right now, just because of you know they need space so they can drive and they they can cut and they can. Um, get the ball inside where they've really excelled this year. Um, And with Jordan out there, along with Trey, it seems like teams are really um, playing off those, those guys, especially. So it was, it was one thing when we've got one guy in there, Trey, and now we've got Jordan in there with Trey. And so it seems like teams are really just packing it in, which could mean some trouble on the offensive end um, in the half court. But I do think that the way he plays defense and is able to shut a guy down, um, I think it it warrants him being out there. And so I've been really impressed with the way he played him in all three games.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a give and take. I mean, right away when Duke was on their Canada trip, I noticed I, I actually look back, and that 's why I kind of even though I tweet a lot of stuff nobody pays attention to because I just tweet everything that happens during the game, anything <laughs> that comes to my mind it 's really fun to kind of look back on that. I remember last year I was looking back at just random comments I'd made throughout four years of grace and allen 's floater, and that 's just such a really kind of a niche kind of thing to look at, and yet I found like seven different. Comments I had made about how at various points it had improved. And it was just cool to see how the development went from my eyes. Because otherwise, you're just kind of guessing as to how things go. So looking back at Jordan Goldwire in Canada, I was saying this guy, he was the only one who was really putting legit ball pressure on the ball. Obviously, that was with Trey and Cam out. But he was uh, really putting extended perimeter pressure and it's just making everything easier for the other guys to deny the passing lanes and just to be more aggressive. Then I think many think his impact started at Louisville. It actually started at Pitt uh, when Duke was coming out off those three really um, emotional games. Uh, what was it? Uh, Syracuse. Um, it was- Virginia. Yeah, uh, Virginia. Virginia. Syracuse, Florida State, or somewhere in that order. And they just had no energy against Pitt. And then Goldwire came in immediately brought that energy because that was without Trey at the time. And and it was immediately noticeable. Then Louisville came in with that zone press, brought the energy. Even North Carolina, the first one, when Zion left, uh, when he was unfortunately hurt, they didn't win, but he was still causing havoc in the passing lanes. What he can do... Just based on certain matchups, it gives Coach K options. So there might be some matchups where, as you said, I totally agree, where he might not be the best fit, but just to know – he is there waiting, and you know it's so trustworthy what he's going to bring. I mean, if he could just improve even a tiny bit, he's another Wojo. I like I tweeted that last year mm-hmm. where I was like, it's going to be so much fun to watch him throughout four years become more and more anno- annoying to defenders and hopefully reach the peak levels of, like, the most annoying player ever, Wojo. And I mean that as a compliment.
2: The ultimate compliments of Duke point guards. <laughs>
1: yeah especially Wojo I mean Wojo he was there to be a leader and to play defense and really I mean it's, it's funny because he coaches Marcus Howard who probably scores more points in like five games than Wojo did in his entire Duke career but uh I mean it's just he knows how to kind of reach the other guys and earn that respect without putting up those monster stats and I think that's something Boldwire has as well